You've joined us here on another episode of Inspired by Yarra. This is a podcast created and dedicated to enhancing, connecting and inspiring the Yarra Valley Grammar community and beyond. So wherever you're listening from today, I want to thank you for tuning in. My name is Paul Joy and I'm delighted to be your host and each episode I get the privilege of sitting down with another Yog, a Yarra Old Grammarian. We trace back through a little of their journey at school and then we start to explore what's been going on in their life after Yarra and we have some great conversations and today is no exception. Looking forward to and I'm thrilled to be able to present to you the next episode, the next conversation of Inspired by Yarra. I know you're going to enjoy it. Welcome to another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And today I'm thrilled to be joined by Mr. Andrew Gaythorpe from the class of... Uh, 82. Class of 82. Andrew, welcome to Inspired by Yarra. Great to be here. Andrew, tell me uh, to begin with, from the class of 82, what are some of your strong memories of maybe a a place at Yarra that was important to you, maybe a place where you spent a lot of time? Was it in the science lab? Was it out on the sports field? Was it, dare I say, sitting outside the principal's office? Where did you hang out? So uh, back then we were allowed in the bush. So uh, Ah. we spent a fair bit of time in the bush and uh, that was a great place to go. We even had some classes down there. So Miss Nichols in grade one brought her, her dog, her lab in, and uh, she did uh, show dogs. This dog was pretty special, so she, we'd all go down and uh, one of us uh, would go off and hide, and, but we'd leave a sock behind and the Labrador would smell the sock and then track us down. So, uh, wow, that's impressive. <laughs> that's very powerful. That's really good. Well, as you would know that uh, we don't use the bush in that way anymore and, uh, <laughs> and there's a whole lot of, you know, reasons yes. for that. Um but it is certainly a very valuable part of our school today as well. Andrew, tell me, who were the sorts of kids that you used to hang out with and uh, and whether or not that had an impact on who you are today? I think it did, and I, I still keep in touch with quite a few of them. Uh, you know, we're spread out all over Australia now, but uh, once a year we still regroup it around Christmas time, and uh, there's lots of reminiscing, uh, particularly about the times at Yarra. And, uh, you know, whether it be various teachers or other students, uh, the subjects we had and just incidents that would have occurred at school that uh, you carry through with you. Um, so uh, and so we still draw on each other for, you know, uh, support, whether it's uh, moral or uh, or otherwise. So it, it's a terrific, uh, a terrific system to have. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's great to continue to be in touch and. Uh, and, and, and dare I say, you're just about to catch up or maybe have just recently caught up with those people. Just about to. So looking forward to it. Excellent. And do the stories get bigger and the uh, the escapades get uh, more and more outlandish every year? Oh, we're definitely legends in our own minds. <laughs> no question about it. <laughs> Uh, very good. Now, now, Andrew, you're still involved at Yarra now as a parent. Yes. So three boys, two have left now. So I had one doing VCE this year. Uh, yeah, so so Ben was the class of 2015. Will just finished 2017, and uh, and Matt's still part of our uh, community today. He is, so he's starting year ten next year. That's right. Yes. Excellent, excellent. I wonder um, whether you could share with us because this this podcast is called Inspired by Yarra, yes. and uh, and your tenure here, both as a student and and now as a parent, has has you know 
cast over many, many years. Mm. What's something that you would say has inspired you about Yarra? There are probably two things, I think. One is the support available at Yarra. So whether that's spiritual, whether it's um, a counselling or whether it's just trying to develop better homework habits, <laughs> then uh, that was that was quite inspiring. And it's even better these days than it was back in the 70s. Um, and probably the other thing is that I wanted the boys to be uh, to feel like they belong to a part of a, a community and a community that has longevity. Uh, and for me, Yarra does have that. And, and that's what I've experienced as well. So it was important for me to that I send the boys to, to a place that fostered that. Yes, very much. And and and, and I guess as a current staff member and a, and a proud community member of, of Yarra, I, it it fills me with pride to hear you say that, that that's what you were looking for and that's what you've um, found even now as a parent as well. Uh, definitely. And uh, even back then, uh, you know, the, I used to have lots of talks with the, um, the chaplain at the time. I think it was Stuart Taplin. Uh, yes, I know Stuart. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I have fond memories of that as well. So uh, you know, it was it was a really good supporting supportive environment. That's great. And and look, there's no doubt that schools like Yarra have a, a strong influence on our on our perspective on life and and some of the foundational principles that we we seek to build our life on. I wonder if you can just spend a moment or two exploring or describing. Uh, the bigger picture of Yarra for you and what it has meant for you? Sure. For me, there's, there's probably a lot of little things, um, but, but, but maybe one of the main things is developing good habits that will see you throughout your life. And, uh, you know, whether that's just the discipline of getting a job done, you know, homework's due, you know, you've got two days left and you just nut down and do it because you've just got to do it. Uh, and there, as I mentioned before, there's support around to help you develop those Habits. And I find myself even in today, and I'm, what, 53 now, and uh, and I'm, I'm still uh, employing those same habits that I developed at, uh, at Yarra. And uh, so that's been something that's really carried through for me that I, that I would have picked up. Excellent. So do you have – now, when you talk about habits, yes. you've mentioned there, you know, getting the job done, for example. That's a, a habit that you need to employ when there's a project on hand yeah. or a task to be completed. Yes. Do you have uh, habits that are – that daily habits or daily routines or rhythms that you, you know, that you stand by in your, in your life? Yes, and this was probably unintentional <laughs> out of error, and that was um, the value of an early start. So I still do that today. I do like my sleep-ins on the odd occasion, I must admit. But just the value of getting that early start and getting stuck into the day um, is probably the thing that I would uh, would carry forward from Yarra, and that's what's it. Yes, and, and, and they do they do talk about, you know, win, win the beginning, win the morning, yes. and then you'll win the Absolutely. day. Are there some rhythms and routines around, you know, do you always start with, I don't know, oats with raspberries, or do you start with a coffee, or do you start with yep. 10 push-ups, or do you start with a morning walk? Uh, mate, it's time to the minute in the morning <laughs> by the time I get ready to, to head to work. So uh, it is very much routine-based, um, and yes. uh, that's particularly evident if um, – something slightly out of routine. So, you know, instead of uh, something being in my work bag, I've left it on my desk. Right. Uh, I'm not used to picking it up off the desk. So I'll often forget it yeah. <laughs> because it's not part of that routine. Uh, yes. Certainly yes. That, that whole thing, you know, going back to, you know, even back as early as 1970, you know, when you're, when you're first being introduced to that kind of routine, um, it hasn't changed for me. 
Yes, yes. Tell us a little bit about what happened when you left Yarra. Um, did you go to university? Did you study? Did you travel? Did you? Where did you head and, and how has that led to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So uh, I did go straight to university and I did a, a psychology degree out at La Trobe. So it was only at Bandura then. And um, so that was uh, that was four years. And uh, I've got to say the, the transition was into that environment was very easy. I do recall thinking in that first year that I was quite grateful for my time at Yarra for preparing me for that because I do know a lot of kids had struggled with the um, lack of discipline. So that comes back to that being self-managed, mm-hmm. getting a routine going, all that sort, all those support structures that you yourself put into place were really learned at Yarra. And so I found that transition very seamless for me. Um, and uh, so I did psych and, you know, at the end of that I was looking for a job in psych and, it was, you know, the, the old um, situation where they were looking for experience, but, of course, I couldn't get experience until I got a job. So um, I just ended up uh, waiting at the local pizza hut at Doncaster when they had restaurants. And, uh, you know, the CEO used to come in and um, for lunch, and I was a lunchtime waiter, and he said, look, Andrew, I think you should try out for management. And so that got me into the business side of things. So I just ran restaurants for a while and then moved into corporate retail, and I've been in retail pretty much ever since. Wow. Okay. And and today you're with Australia Post. So I'm with Australia Post. So I manage their. And, and what's your role there at Australia Post? Yes, I'm in the retail side. So all the all the supply chain and all the inventory is is under me. So every time you walk into a, a corporate post office, uh, anything that's physical uh, is me in terms of how we get it to the stores and manage it, and how much there is and where it goes and all that sort of thing, as well as our range of consumables. So, you know, whenever you see the postie walk past and he's got a uniform on or he's wearing sunblock or has a hat, then that's part of my range as well. So it's quite eclectic. <laughs> Terrific. And, and and that inspires you and gets you up every morning? Oh, it does. Absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, part of it is very critical and core. You know, if you go into a post office without, and they don't have Christmas stamps, or letters, that's that's not a good look. So there's kind of like a high pressure in there, and that'll end up at the Senate estimates uh, because, you know, the local MP will get involved, et cetera. So there's a lot of pressure on right. that end. But you know, then there's the more fun end where we sell, you know, the, the fluffy toys and, and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, yes. So. And, and it's all important. It's all part of the branding and, and, and being prepared and, and, you know, being able to deliver and on time and getting your people equipped with the right, you know, not only the right things to sell, but also the right gear to be able to deliver well in and, and look after your staff and, and, and so it goes on. And we have about 3,000 licensees. And as we all know, the post office, every post office in the world is struggling because of the letters decline. So really the mandate to try and help support the licensees and to keep their businesses sustainable by offering them the right kind of products they can sell in their, their um, communities and to make sure that it's not too expensive for them and, you know, we get it to them uh, efficiently and cheaply. I'm a, a big believer in a handwritten note and a handwritten card. Your idea. Um, <laughs> what what would you say to to people these days? And and we you know we've all been swept up in the power of email and and social media. And but what do you say? What do you value a handwritten note these days? Definitely. Um, now, does that mean I do them? Well, probably not, or <laughs> not nowhere near enough. But uh, you know, I, I remember written aerograms from my grandmother who lived in England from when I was a little boy and just the power of receiving that handwritten note and the words written down on it uh, is very, very powerful. Uh, so I would encourage anyone to, to write letters, absolutely. And that's not uh, not just because you're going to buy a stamp from me. 
<laughs> one of the things that my I have very fond memories of my dad, and we used to call it. Uh, he was playing with stamps, and he would take take the stamp, and you would soak it to get the stamp off the envelope, and then he would put them in his albums, and yep. he would sort them out, and that you know. It, can you can you actually soak a stamp off the you know those self adhesive stamps these days? Can they come off these? How does how does a stamp collector go these well, days? Well, they can. That's a, a highly illegal activity, of course, and we know that. Um, they tend to be older older people, so we do see demand for that sort of product dropping, although there are still some very serious collectors out there, and we run a stamp show every year, and it's amazing how popular it is. Yes, yes. I reckon my dad was uh, at some of those stamp shows over yep. the years as well. <laughs> it's, a, it's a particular type of person that goes there. <laughs> yes, and dad was one right. of those for sure. Fantastic. <laughs> Through your varied career, and uh, and and some would look at your career, and and dare say I would too, and say that uh, there's been some moments of success along the way, and uh, and you've reached, um, you know, some some roles of importance and significance, no doubt. I wonder for you, what does success mean to you? So success for me is really about you know loving what I do, um, loving where I live, and loving the people I'm with. <laughs> it's kind of that simple, nothing too profound. Uh, and, and I find that if I'm doing that, then um, I'm happy. You know, that's success for me. I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying what it has to offer. Um, and, and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, and as you say, look, keep it simple. You love what you do. You love where you live and you love who you're yeah. with. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> it's not complicated. I should that's write a book. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, will we see uh, Andrew Gaythorpe, the author, one day? Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the blogger. Oh, okay. So, so you are active on uh, platforms like that, are you? I've I've dabbled in it. It's um I find that I don't really have a lot of time at the moment. Uh, for me, online is almost like living another life. And, uh, and I've got enough going on in my own life at the moment <laughs> to have to try and create another one and then maintain it as well. Um, yes, I, I understand that very much. I, I want to give you the opportunity uh, for a 30-second brag. What's working really well for you right now? Um, what's working well for me right now is, I guess, being where I am in the organisation that I'm in with Australia Post, so massive company, big brand. Um, you know, I have a position where I can really influence things and help people along the way, um, and I have a team of about 30 people that help me do that. And, um, and, th and that all comes together very well to motivate me and get me going. Um, and the other thing, of course, that working really well is family. You know, we're in that stage now where some of the boys are now old enough and they're independent adults. And so my wife and I are now sort of transitioning into that next stage. And that's all very exciting as well. So that's, yes. that's a fantastic success story for me. That's great. It's an interesting journey, isn't it, that, that of parenthood in that uh, – <laughs> It keeps changing all the time, and you, you, just when you think you've got it nailed, you, you've got to change and, and adapt again. And you, and, you know, you stand by and, and let people make mistakes. Yes. And, and you yeah. know, and that's, yeah. that's a great bit of advice that I always had, you know. Um, you know, if you're not making mistakes, then you're not growing. So yes. uh, it's normal to make mistakes. I dare I say it's uh, important to make mistakes. Uh, very important to make mistakes. <laughs> yes, and I've made plenty. And, and and I guess ideally we learn from them along the way as well. Well, you'd like to think so. Um, if you if you keep making the same mistakes, there's maybe a problem. But um, yeah, if you you definitely learn along the way. And and parenting is like that. 
and you know makes you realize that you know whether it's the teachers at school or your parents uh or just someone in the community you know they've made the mistakes for you as well and uh, you don't have to make them all yourself it helps to but uh, not all of them that's right. And uh, you're, you're quite right. It's good to be able to learn from the mistakes yeah, of others right. too. Save you a bit of pain. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I've heard you uh, talk about the importance of connection. And I wonder whether the connections that you formed while you were here at Yarra have impacted your journey, uh, whether it be through career or socially, um, maybe even within your family. Are there people you're still connected with today that, that you established those connections while you were at Yarra? Uh, yes. So there's probably four or five that do that. Uh, and then there are those that I've uh, established well, I wasn't at Yarra, but they'd been at Yarra at the same time as me. And whether that's just through a basketball club or, or something like that, you find another old grammarian, and there's that instant bond. Um, and that helps you just, uh, you know, smooth things out into, in terms of an introduction into a new a club or, or whatever. Uh, and, yeah. and as I mentioned before, you know, some of the guys that I, I still see, you know, we do lean on each other for support still. Um, you know, we're just yeah. having a good time together or, you know, we might be going through a difficult patch in our lives and so we, we want to be able to talk to someone that really knows us, you know, the, from when we were younger. Yeah. Yes. Even from my understanding of uh, very early on in our school's tradition, <laughs> there's been something that we've termed the Yarra spirit. Yes. And I wonder if you can talk to what the Yarra spirit meant to you when you were here as a student and whether you still feel that today. It possibly means more to me outside of Yarra than when I was at Yarra. I think when you're there, um, you know, you're caught up in the study and just normal school and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and it's not really until you, you've left it, I think, and then step back and gone, wow, actually, that was a pretty good experience. And, and there are certain times in your life where you look back and you go, yeah, actually, I, that's through Yarra that I, I developed that, that sense of community, you know, the habits I, I talked about. Or just the bond with another grammarian, which, you know, everyone was in the same boat at Yarra. But when you're out in the wide world, it's, it's quite different. So to have that spirit of connection uh, for me is probably the most important part of it, belonging somewhere. And I must say, even just, you know, the first time I, I went back and we did the school tour while looking for the boys, apart from being quite surreal and making me feel uh, quite aged, <laughs> um, I still got that sense of spirit walking around the school, I still felt like I belonged there. And, and that was quite powerful for me. And even now when I go back to Orfate or something, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm welcome there. That's really powerful. That's, uh, really? that's terrific. <laughs> I wonder in your journey whether there's been a, a book or a, a documentary or a movie that you would say has been uh, compelling or very impactful for you and maybe one that you would recommend that you think, whether it be for all young people or, or people in general, that you think is a must-see or a must-read or a must-watch? Yeah, that's a difficult question. I mean, I, I do read an awful lot. Um, I tend to read uh, fiction rather than, say, motivational works, etc. And And in thinking about this, for me, I would encourage, um, now whether you find the right author or not, uh, you know, a crime thriller for me is, uh, it, it taught me to pay attention to detail and that quite often the answer is in the detail. So pay attention to things that are around you and go the extra step to finish something off because there will be a reward in that. 
So that's probably what it taught me. And, uh, you know, particularly complicated crime thrillers where you think, you know, the, the work is so boring that they're doing, but they've got to do it because they know that they could uncover something uh, instead of just going, ah, give up. It's too hard. <laughs> I'm out of here. Um, persistence. That's powerful. And, and indeed, that might be your answer to my next question. And that is um, not what's the best advice you've ever received, but what's the best advice you've ever given? I think the best advice was, is probably two. One is don't lose connections. So the power of networking. And I've gotten jobs through it. I've received all kinds of support through my connections. And, and as I mentioned before, the sense of feeling of belonging to a network is, is important. So don't lose your connections as you go through life. And the other piece is, and it's, a, it's slightly gruesome, but a, anyone can bayonet the wounded after the battle. That's easy. Um, the real power is in the battle itself. So that when you go to do a task, you know, it's so easy to criticize afterwards and to pick holes in things, but really that's, uh, that's, that's the cheap option. There's no respect in that. So really it's fronting up for the battle and, uh, is, is really what makes, uh, earns you respect from your fellow person. That's really, uh, significant. That's great. Can you share with us a battle that you've been engaged in that you would say that you won? Sure. Let's keep it professional. Uh, <laughs> probably the the biggest battle uh, I've won, and I'll use Australia Post, is that um, so Australia Post is trying to move from being a postal organisation to more of a parcel and retail organisation. So there's a massive culture shift, and people that are employed here weren't really employed to be retailers, for example. So someone like myself who's come from a long battle of retail um, can see that, you know, maybe some things that could be done in a, in a slightly better way to be, be more efficient, et cetera. And so you're dealing with lots of large functional groups of people that aren't necessarily all aligned. And that's a battle to try and align everyone up. And that journey is still ongoing. But it's a it's a matter of knowing when to withdraw. Um, you know, as Kenny Rogers saying, you've got to know when to hold them. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and know when to, to force your attack uh, as well. So um, And that's an important lesson that I've learned through life, that when you're in that battle, it's important to stand up, but it's important to let other people have their say, to withdraw, uh, and then you'll find that's often a much better way of, of getting through. And and I dare say that's a battle that's ongoing, really, All for an organisation like Australia Post. Absolutely. As we mentioned, you know, that people aren't posting letters anymore. So no, no. Um, we've got to do something. <laughs> but they are posting and receiving many, many more parcels. And I know Amazon Australia yes. has just come onto the marketplace. Yeah. And what does that do for an industry like Australia Post? Well, it helps us. So we've signed up with them for last mile delivery. You know, the, the thing Australia Post has, I guess, compared to any other competitor in the country, is that we have a bike or a van going past nearly every single address in Australia every day. And that's a really expensive thing to maintain. And the only way Australia Post can do that is by being a government organisation. So if you had DHL coming in today to do that, they'd do the numbers and it just wouldn't stack up. So rather than build it yourself, why don't you use something that's already there? 
So for Australia Post, Amazon's actually really, really good. Um, it puts a lot more parcels through the network. I talked about our licensee sustainability. Every time they have a parcel come through, they collect a payment. So it's very really important okay. for them to uh, to keep receiving parcels. And you would have uh, received a card at your door maybe if uh, you haven't been home when a parcel has arrived. So that goes back to your post office, and then they get a fee for every time that happens as well. So it's quite an important ecosystem there that uh, contains a lot of dependencies that aren't obvious necessarily. So Amazon no. can help drive all that for Australia Post, which is fantastic. Terrific. Yeah, so you welcome Amazon to Australia. Absolutely. Competition's wonderful. Yes. Yeah, that's good. That's great. And uh, spoken as a true retailer. That's right. And you got to remember, Australia Post, you know, before um, we really got stuck into parcels, was virtually a monopoly. There was no competition. Yes. And, you know, a monopoly breeds fat in an organisation because there's no burning platform to change. So it really wasn't yeah, until absolutely. parcels came in that all of a sudden it opened up competition to players like Toll and DHL that Australia Post had to really sharpen up. Okay, and, and, and clearly that's good in the long run. That's good for us as the end user, the, the end receiver Absolutely. of the package. and it means that it, it keeps Australia Post profitable because if it makes a loss, then that loss comes out of, you know, yours and my tax check. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> Probably, uh, gee, I guess it's got to be close to 17 or 18 years ago, I purchased a an ex-posty bike. Oh, yes. <laughs> a Honda? And I shipped it over to Africa oh, really? with a couple of my mates. <laughs> and then we jumped on the plane about three months later and travelled and we found it on the docks over in South Africa somewhere yep. and we turned the key and it started. Oh, there you go. <laughs> CC, CC50 or CC125 yep. or something it was. It was a beauty. Yeah, a lot of people and we travelled... <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We tr we travelled for eight weeks on these little posty bikes through Africa, and we were a sight for the locals there, and it was a, a wonderful adventure. Uh, that sounds wonderful. <laughs> well, the posty bikes, if you look at them today, they're actually kitted out to carry small parcels now. Uh, I was going. I was going to ask yeah. you about the evolution of delivery, and you know those posty bikes. When I was growing up, it was either a push bike yep. or one of these little motorbikes, and things have changed. Their uniforms have changed. Yep. I guess that's to continue to care for your your staff. Absolutely, it is. And you know, if we just relied on letters, then we'd potentially have a lot of posties out of work because there's not enough mail. So by actually substituting the mail with small parcels, which are now at least thirty percent of a postie run, it actually keeps a, that role viable in the community. So it, it, it's a pretty good outcome. Now, I spent also, I spent some time in my youth as a paper boy. Oh, yes. And so we, you know, we would trudge around. That was on our uh, on our push bike and whether it rain, hail or shine. But I can tell you that Christmas time was always profitable for the paper boy. Yes. <laughs> do people look after their posties these days around Christmas time? Uh, some do. <laughs> You've got to catch them. Very much so. That's, That's right. right. They come at all times of the day, don't they? Yeah, and especially if they're on a push bike still, it's pretty quiet. You can't hear them coming. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> if they're on the motorbike, so, you know, my, I think, you know, one of the memories of my uh, hearing a posty bike was, of course, that's how the VCE results were delivered. Oh, uh, Jesse. Yeah. So you were anxiously listening out for his bike because you knew it was on the way. <laughs> yeah. I guess just another reflection on how times have changed. Oh, yes. Indeed, they have. <laughs> 
We're speaking with Andrew Gaythorpe from the class of 1982, and uh, we're just reminiscing about, uh, I guess, perhaps how Yarra has inspired him and uh, and his journey through life, and now as a father of, um, well, one current uh, son is still at Yarra, and uh, and two others have been through and, and enjoyed the spoils of Yarra and a, a Yarra education. I wonder um, whether... Andrew, you might reflect for a moment with us on uh, our school motto, which you would have known as a young lad and, and now you would know as a parent as well, to of Lavavi Oculus, I lift up my eyes. And, and just reflect on that for a moment. And what does that term mean to you? So it meant a, a couple of things to me. One was, uh, you know, don't walk around with your eyes closed. So, I mean, figuratively and as well as literally, of course, so there's so much around you in life. Um, don't miss out on it. Don't become so focused on what you're doing that you lose sight of the important stuff. Um, that's That was probably the main takeout for me. Uh, and also to um, look at where you're going in the future was, was really the other piece around it. And yeah, absolutely. Important. They're great takeaways for sure, and and those messages are true back in your day of the the early 1980s as much as they are today. Yep, and always have been. I think there's so much out there. You know, whether you find your your you know comfort in in your your spiritual beliefs or your friendships or whatever it is, look at it and appreciate it. And also I would say, and I was reflecting on this even earlier this morning, that we ought to and we need to live in the moment and, and be aware of what's going on right where we are. Absolutely. And and I've, I've tried to do that and, and just look at it from different perspectives. You know, I remember on my uh, my wedding night, you know, at the reception there, I made a point of leaving the reception and walking outside and just peeking in through one of the windows to get a different perspective of the whole experience and, and it was quite amazing how different it looked and what the feeling was. So I try and do that in life as much as I can. That's a beautiful and a very uh, mindful thing to do and, and, dare I say, almost some discipline to to take yourself out of your party yes. and to go yeah. and observe all those people there who are there to celebrate you and, and your wife, mm. um, but to get a different perspective on it. That's a terrific uh, um I guess, invitation for people today to, to look at things differently. Yeah, I think so. And, and it's almost like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. How would they view this? And, yeah, it was terrific. And I, and I still do things like that today. That's terrific. I, I love that. I'm going to try and apply that uh, to the next party I go yeah. to. I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. Um, you're still very much connected to the Yarra community, as you've said a number of times, both with the the people who you are now doing life with, um, but also your your own family connection with with our school now. Um, Andrew Gaythorpe, thank you for uh, allowing us a little insight into how you were inspired by Yarra. And can I leave you with this, that through your uh, reflections and through your guidance and through your storytelling today, you indeed have inspired us today to look at things a little differently. And that is a very good thing. So we give you thanks and appreciation and bid you a very good day. Thanks, Paul. It's been uh, great talking to you. And uh, I love reminiscing about Yarra and the times there 
it was uh, indeed a very special time. And uh, if, if we can share that with others, then that's fantastic. Terrific. And that we will with through this and other episodes of Inspired by Yarra. Sensational. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye for now. Bye. Well, that wraps up another episode of Inspired by Yarra. And I hope that you found this conversation interesting along with many others and many more to come. It's a thrill to continue to produce these podcasts for you to help build the connection between Yarra Ogramarians with one another and indeed with our current Yarra Valley Grammar community. Uh, those who are currently staff, students, parents of this great school. If you, in fact, have got contact with or would like to hear one of your old classmates here as a featured guest on this uh, podcast, then we'd love you to let us know. And you can contact us via the community section uh, within the ybg.vic.edu.au website. Of course, if you go in there, you'll see more information about this podcast and and each episode has its own unique set of show notes that we've uh, drawn up and written up. If you want to know more information about today's guest, you can head on over there to the website and find out a little bit more. Also links there for great ways that you can stay in touch with the YOG community. I hope you will enjoy uh, sitting down with us again next episode where we'll get the opportunity to meet with another YOG community member. My name's Paul Joy and it's been a delight to spend this time with you. Thanks for tuning in. Share it, like it, continue to uh, subscribe to this podcast and we hope that uh, it continues to inspire you to make a positive impact in the world around you.